Thanks, Greg. Well, my, my name is Pete, and I'm a part of the ministry team here. And uh, it's certainly a privilege to open God's Word together uh, with you this morning. One of the privileges of being a minister is uh, being able to do weddings. I've uh, married a number of people over the years, different uh, places, and I, I spend some time in preparation with people before the day. I've got a list of Bible readings uh, that are commonly used at weddings. A uh, number of people that I've married over the years um, haven't had uh, any sort of knowledge of uh, the, the church or the Bible, um, but often people choose their own reading, uh, where anything in the Bible, it's all, all good, and um, something really meaningful, uh, something that kind of... Um, captures, I guess, for them what, what they want their future to look like. And, um, and then it's my privilege to explain that little bit of the Bible as part of the, the wedding service. Or well, when Jude and I got married 23 and a half years ago, that second passage from Ephesians chapter 3 is the one we chose. And so it's my great privilege here this morning to explain why. Before we launch into it, can I just pray for us? Gracious Father, you alone are able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. So we ask you now to help us understand your word, to remember it, and by your power that is at work within us, to obey it so that you may be glorified in our lives as your church, your people. Here in Shell Harbour. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, well, I used a, a really big jackhammer just the last couple of weeks to break up a massive chunk of concrete recently. 46 kilonewtons of force slamming down. Can some engineer just confirm that that's a lot of force? That's huge! Right, right. Uh, slamming down through a chisel point smaller than the tip of my pinky finger to break this up. Now, what I've got on screen for you, though, is a much bigger one. This is a pneumatic, a pneumatic uh, uh, jackhammer. Pneumatic means it's powered by compressed air. And the word pneumatic itself comes from the Greek language, the word pneuma, and that's the word for the spirit. And as you heard in those passages, there's a lot of talk of the Spirit being at work with power in our lives. Now, of course, people who live in the Illawarra don't need to be reminded of the power of the wind. Right. I could have used any kind of illustration. The power of the wind. Well, the Spirit. Now, the Spirit is not just a a kind of um, impersonal force. The Spirit is God himself at work mightily with mighty, all the power, as we heard in that reading, that raised Jesus from the dead, that kind of power, at work in our lives. Now, going back to my little um, hammer drill that I was using, my my little jackhammer under the house, um, it wouldn't have done anything if I didn't first plug it in. Um, When we pray, we plug our hearts and lives into God into that incomparably great power. That was the phrase Paul used. How often do we struggle and suffer because we haven't plugged our lives and our hearts into God through prayer? In prayer, we bring our needs to God. 
asking him to do things and to act in our lives. In prayer, we expose our greatest fears and concerns to him. We share our deepest longings. And if we're honest, we share our many frustrations with him as well. Knowing that he already knows everything about us. He already knows everything we need. And not only that, he deeply loves us. And as we can see in Paul's prayers here, he alone has the power to make a difference in our lives. Someone put it simply like this, prayer is a conversation of your heart with the living God. And how do we approach him? Well, if you've got chapter 3 open, if you've got chapter 3 open, just before the prayer that was read to us back in uh, chapter 3 verse 12, it says this, chapter 3 and verse 12, it's on the screen, in him and through faith in him, that's Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. As we come to pray, we can do so with freedom and confidence. Freedom because Jesus has paid for our sin and his death on the cross. And we come with confidence. There's no kind of guesswork or, or doubt that can go on because we have confidence because if we belong to Jesus, God welcomes us. He will hear our prayers. And he has the power to make a difference. So can I encourage you this morning? Don't hide yourself from God in any way. Don't hide your sins from God. Don't hide your, uh, or hold back your concerns. Trust in Jesus. And by doing so, the promise in that verse is that we can draw near to God. Now, like most people, Paul learned how to pray by hearing people pray around him uh, and from his own experience he, he would have learnt certain prayers uh, as he grew older he became the star student in the school of the Pharisees and he would have learnt off by heart a whole range of prayers ceremonial ritual kind of prayers and you know what not one of them mentioned the name Jesus not one of them and so as I reflected on this during the week in my preparation, I was so encouraged to see how deeply and thoroughly these prayers had been answered in Paul's own life. He's just, as he, as he prays for these people, many of whom would have come to Christ through his, his witness, he's just pouring out his heart to God. It's, it's Jesus, Jesus, God, his Holy Spirit power in you. He just can't help it. He's pouring it out. But Paul himself was a changed man because he met Jesus personally and he wants to see that same change in others. So let's have a look at these two prayers. On, on hearing them, read side by side, thank you, Greg, for reading them to us. On hearing them, we straight away notice some similarities. Both prayers are introduced to the words, for this reason. And then he prays for them. And then in both passages, it's, it's like he gets so excited about something that he's just prayed that he kind of explains some part of his prayer in a bit more detail and depth. 
So let's zoom in on each one and maybe uh, we'll end up just as enthusiastic as Paul by the end of it. What is the, at the start of 115 it says, for this reason. Well, what's the reason? We've got to look back in chapter one. And if you can remember a few weeks ago, we looked at it. As we look back in chapter one, we see that God loves us. God shows us. God predestined us. God redeemed us by Jesus' blood shed on the cross. God forgave our sins. God gave us his Holy Spirit and he gives us every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's quite a catalogue, isn't it? That's quite a collection of amazing things that God's done for us in Christ. And, and with all of that in mind, Paul says, for this reason... Verse 15, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. That's amazing in itself, isn't it? Their faith and love were so obvious that not only was it noticed, but people have been blabbing about them. Paul's in prison in another city and he's, he's heard about, wouldn't that be awesome if people heard about the, the faith and love of people at Shell Harbour City Anglican here? We're connected to God. And we loving each other. Well, that'd be fantastic. He says, for this reason, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Yeah, before he makes any requests, Paul makes time to say, thank you, God. Gratitude. It's a key ingredient of any healthy relationship. And there's so much that we can be thankful to God for, isn't there? And then when he does pray, this is interesting. Instead of asking God for something that they don't have, Paul asks God to reveal to them what they already do have because they belong to Jesus. And God does this work in their hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given them. The Holy Spirit reveals God's truth to us through his word. That the, the Spirit, God-breathed Word. Uh, not alone, not just, not just that alone. He, he gives us the wisdom then to understand God's Word and apply it to our lives. So we know how God's truth makes a difference in our daily living. Not only that, He also gives us the power to obey it. That's great, isn't it? That's great. Uh, the goal of this, verse 17, is that we may know God better. Or as Paul says in chapter 3, verse 17, um, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's a wonderful picture of a real relationship with the living God. The, the atheist claims there is no God to know. The agnostic says, well, there might be a God, but we can't know him in a personal kind of way. Paul had personally met the risen, living Jesus Christ and he insists that the goal of life, every human life, is to know God personally and not just that, but to know him better as we live. And it makes sense when you think about it. We're all made by God. We're made in his image. So the more we know him the more we truly understand ourselves and our place in the world that he's made. In fact, can I say, our lives will never be all they were created to be 
until we are personally plugged in to the God who made us. And this is not mere head knowledge, knowledge about God. Verse 18 puts it beautifully. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's head and heart together in a relationship with God that brings hope, life-changing hope to our lives. Now, when I got married... Imagine if my father-in-law came down the aisle with just a a photo album and maybe a a few personal diaries of my fiancé at the time. Imagine that. I would feel so ripped off. I don't want to just know about it. I don't want to just look at a few pictures. I want the real thing. I want to know her personally and be able to relate to her. It's the same with us and God, folks. If you're here this morning and you know a bit about God, but there's no sense of personal relationship between you and God, you ought to feel ripped off. Because God made us to be in that relationship and he's done everything in the life, death and resurrection of his son Jesus so that we can know him personally. As Paul goes through the the rest of this passage, he praises the greatness of Jesus and he helps us marvel at the supremacy of Jesus and the power of Jesus' privileged position at God's right hand. But before we move on to chapter 3 and look at the prayer there, I want to draw our attention to two little phrases that highlight just how precious we are In God's sight. Verse 18 has the phrase, His glorious inheritance. Hang on. His, shouldn't it be, shouldn't it be our glorious inheritance? You know, with with God forever? But it says, His glorious inheritance. This is hard for us to believe. But what Paul is saying here is that the, the saints who believe in Jesus, everyone who's put their trust in Jesus, we are God's inheritance. That's mind-boggling. He's looking forward, God is looking forward to sharing eternity with us, the people he's saved. I find that staggering. God's looking forward to that. And then in verse 23, he says that we, the church, are his body, are the fullness of him. Hang on, shouldn't it be the other way around? Uh, uh, Him filling our lives? Well, well, that's true too, and that's how verse 23 ends. But but Paul says it's actually a two-way thing going on here. He fills us, yes, that's true, but we fill him. How can that be? How can we be so extremely important and special to God in that way? Well, we see it in many of the the metaphors that that Paul and and other New Testament writers use. Christ is the head. We are his body. Body without a head is not much good. A head without a body is not much good. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. The, The two go naturally together. He is the vine. We are all the branches. Christ is the bridegroom. We, his church, 
are the bride. One is not complete without the other. Personally, I find that a staggering thought though. To let that truth sink in. That God, the way he's created and set the whole creation up, wants to share eternity with us, his people. He looks forward to that. His inheritance is all of us being together with him. I just find that amazing. As we move on to Paul's second prayer, it's very similar as we saw earlier. Uh, Again, he wants to see the Holy Spirit powerfully at work in our hearts. But this time in in chapter 3, the focus is not so much on wisdom and knowledge and hope, but on love. Not that we would love God more, although that would be a good thing to pray, but that we would know how much Christ loves us. And I get the picture that Paul is just scrambling for words good enough and big enough. And there are a lot of words in the Greek language, like I learned about 2% of them, and I was struggling. Um, he, he, did anyone know what a superlative is? Like I didn't know what that was until I started, studied Greek. I, I, I learned no grammar at school. I even spelled grammar with one M on the front cover of my grammar book. Oh, anyway, superlatives are those kind of greatest, biggest, you know, the, 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 as far as you can go in describing something. And so Paul starts in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep, it's kind of like four dimensions going on there, um, is the love of Christ. And to know this love, that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If you say that in one breath, like I can imagine Paul saying, I can imagine Paul getting to the end of that and going, oh, words just fail me. I can't capture the greatness of God's love for us. And there's so much we could explore in that prayer. So much we could explore. I want to draw our attention just to one phrase. Halfway through, he says, together with all the saints. God hasn't just loved and saved lots of individual persons. He has saved a whole new people to be his people forever. He has created a new community of Christians. He's formed a new family of followers and it is only in the context of the church in fellowship with each other who believe in Jesus that we can truly know and understand and experience God's love. Love that as verse 19 says, love that surpasses knowledge that you plural, that all of us together who love the Lord Jesus 
may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And, and I can't get my head around that. I just think that, that's very full. Friends, God invites us to pray. And he can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine in answer to our prayers. So before I finish, I want us to imagine for a moment. I want us to imagine this. If God answered these two prayers of Paul in our lives as his church here in Shell Harbour, what impact would it have on our life together? Here are the two prayers on the screen. They're a bit small. I apologise for that. Every, everywhere you see a, a blank line, just put your own name in there or put us as a church in there. If God answered these prayers in our lives, how would it change, how would it shape, how would it redefine what we are as his people? Well, I think firstly, we would all have a deeper hunger for the truth of God's word. And we'd be asking God to help us, not just remember to read it, but help us to understand it and help us to obey it. We want that power in our lives to do what it says. So often I think we treat our reading of God's word like a a quick shower in the morning. Maybe a cold shower. Jump in, jump out, hoping that somehow we'll see something that's half relevant for our day. Friends, I think we need to treat our reading of God's Word more like the warm, soaking bath and immerse ourselves in the Scriptures so we can know the heart and mind of God, understand the will of God with the strength of His Spirit, obey what we understand. Secondly, I think we'd learn to see life, all of life, through the eyes of the heart more than the eyes of the head. We'd see life now through the lens, so to speak, the lens of eternity with Christ, rather than just whatever's going on here and now, that's just hit me on my mobile or whatever's going on. You know. um, like Paul himself wrote in the book of Philippians, chapter 121, for to me, to live is to live for Jesus Christ. And to die, it's going to happen sooner or later, is gain because I'll be with him. Thirdly, I think we'd learn, if these prayers were answered in our lives, I think we'd learn to trust ourselves a whole lot less and trust Jesus a whole lot more. The world tells us that we have the power to change. Look inside. We can do anything. We can be anything we want. Now, God's word tells us that is not the truth. Actually, for me personally, maybe this is true for you too. My own experience tells me that's not the truth. Is that true for you? God's word tells us that the power to change is not inside me. It's outside me. Something far greater. It's God himself and God alone who has the power to make my life what it was created by him to be. Lastly, if if these prayers were answered in our lives, in our, our church, I think we'd be overwhelmed by the love God has for us. 
love that he has demonstrated so clearly and so powerfully in the death of his one and only son in our place on the cross. And I think his gracious and sacrificial love that he's shown to us would then increasingly shape the way we love one another. More than that, I think his love would give us, fill us with a prayerful and sacrificial compassion for the lost in all the world. Friends, with these thoughts, imagining these kinds of things, let's pray to the God who can do more than we can ask or imagine. And to be honest, I can't improve on Paul's prayer, so let me pray it for us all now. Gracious, loving Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of you, our Lord and God. In Jesus' name and for his glory we pray this. Amen.